countdown to the last comic shop in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Hey, hey, fans of Boom! It is now time for the last comic shop! Yep, that's right. We're opening up the shop for newbies in order to help them find their way under the comic book tent. And we keep the lights on for the oldies so they can level up by, you know, learning about comic books and whatnot, reading actual books. Yeah! It's important nowadays to read. Not just get your comic books via TV or movies. Get out there and get those comic books. Go to your local comic shop. They need your kizash. Reading is not listening. Reading is reading. <laughs> I'm host with the most, Danny Larson. I'm joined by Chad Smith and J.A. Scott. And uh, as you might have uh, guessed from last week's episode, if you're a longtime listener, it is our Marvel Month. That's right. All this month here in September, we are reviewing Marvel books from that House of Ideas, the House of Foom, for those folks that got that reference. Chad, do you have any issues of Foom? Uh, I do not. Just the, the re-release one they did in a couple of years ago. Oh. I was too young for the Mary Marvel Marching Society, too young for the Foom. Oh. What about you? I don't have any Fooms, but I do have the Marvel Year in Reviews. I think all of us were, were fans of those. Oh, right. I just pulled out my 1989 year in review with the Todd McFarlane cover. There's a great segment in one of them where uh, She-Hulk and Wasp count down the top ten Marvel hunks. People don't remember it as much as the swimsuit issues. but It was the precursor to those swimsuit issues, for That's sure. True. We loved all those Marvel magazines. In the, they were, the these are great. They did the fake ads. Yes. One for rocks on oil and talking about loose talk and everybody complaining about environmental damage. Like, <laughs> no, we're an oil company. You shut your mouth. We spilled a little oil. That's nothing. Oh, Lordy. Well, one guy that we love having on the program that uh, doesn't spill a lot of oil, but does spill a lot of comic book talk, is the wonderful Pittsburgh-based comic book creator, Mikey Wood. We decided to have him back for our Marvel Month. We decided to let him pick, like, of all the books we were reviewing in the Marvel Month, like, which one he wanted to do. And yeah. today's book is Strange Academy, which is yeah. Chad's pick for the Marvel Month. And uh, we'll get to who made Strange Academy in just a second. But, Mikey, what was the reason why you wanted to read this one versus all the others? I like magic characters a whole lot. Like, like you know, I'm primarily DC guy, which is why later on when we do Marvel trivia, it's going to be hilarious. Um, but <laughs> the the um, recent Jason Aaron, Chris Bocciolo Doctor Strange book was so good. Like it was the first time I ever bought a, a Doctor Strange book on the regular. It was it was just fantastic, and I understood that this kind of sort of spun off of that. It really works well as almost like a spinoff or a sequel to that little thing. So I was I was curious about it, and um, so I picked that one. Very cool. <laughs> Speaking of something Mikey Wood just brought up, it is time for Marvel trivia because again, yeah. when we have guests, it's time to bring out games. Because, you know, that's what you do. When you have guests over, you bring out the board games. And this one is a, a wonderful. I got a Marvel trivia box, which you can pick up at discount stores everywhere. Because I think it's <laughs> about 10 years old at this point. But in any case, what we're going to do on today's program is the three gents, uh, Chad, J.A., and Mikey, they're all going to have one minute to answer as many Marvel questions as possible. I am going to try to $10,000 pyramid up this 
show and basically try to get as many questions as I can get out to them in one minute. And I hope that everybody listening to today's program plays along. So if you are in your car, stop for a second so you get your brain working uh, and uh, listen to... I hope your brain's still working even if you're in your car. (laughs) You need that brain. All right. So we're going to go ahead and get started with... J.A. Scott. All right, no whammies, no whammies, no whammies. <laughs> so, J.A., your minute starts now. Most of the issues of Marvel Team have featured one. What superhero working with another member of the Marvel Universe? The Hulk. Spider-Man. Which powerful heroine wields the sword Dragon Fang and rides a winged horse named Aragon? Hellcat, Marina, or Valkyrie? Valkyrie. Correct. True or false, Kane is a failed clone of Captain America. True. False, Kane is a failed clone of Spider-Man. Dr. Morbius transforms into what supernatural creature? A, a vampire, B, a werewolf, C, a a zombie. Vampire. That's correct. Which member of the Guardians of the Galaxy serves as the Guardian of the Keystone Quadrant? Groot. Rocket Raccoon. Lonnie Thompson Lincoln, an albino hitman with teeth filed down to a point, is known by what name? Ah, Tombstone. All right. Dark Devils. Oh, that's it. Oh, I, yeah, you, were, you, were ask, you were in the point of asking the question. All so right. We'll, answer that we'll let you answer that one. What Daredevil foe kills Daredevil's longtime love interest, Karen Page? Oh, uh, darn, we just talked about him. Uh, uh, bullseye. All right. We'll give you that one. Yes. What's so, uh, you got Four questions. Yeah. Start off yeah. on Marvel trivia. What Daredevil foe kills all of his ex-girlfriends, right? Doesn't he? Doesn't he just? Isn't that like what he does? That was the thing the Taskmaster was giving him the business for. He's like, you don't kill the girlfriends, then they get real mad at you. Yeah, they get yeah, and then they oh, it's personal. All right, we're gonna go ahead with our other regular co-host, Chad Smith. He's gonna go second. We'll leave Mikey for last. Oh boy, so, Chad, are you ready, sir? I set the bar low, Chad. I appreciate that. Okay, Chad, your minute starts now. What is the name of the teenager Bruce Banner saves from the Gamble Bomb originally turned Banner into Rick Jones? When Arthur Douglas loses his family due to the actions of Thanos, Mentor, and Kronos, Douglas turns into what super being? Uh, Drax the Destroyer. Correct. True or false, the Avengers foe Ultron was originally created by Tony Stark? False, thank him. Okay. What is Captain America's former sidekick, Bucky Barnes's actual first real na- first name? James. That's correct. Eric Masterson was a, the second alter ego of what Marvel superhero? Thor. That's correct. Vision was created from the brain patterns of what eventual Avengers teammate? Wonder Man. Correct. With what superhero did Jessica Jones have a child? Luke Cage. That's correct. Doctor Strange's arch enemy often uses what army to do his bidding? The uh, the undying ones, the monstrous ones, the mindless Mind- ones. Mindless ones. That's correct. Oh, look at that. Ooh. That's, you nailed it, even as the quiz master stumbled over every single question. <laughs> <laughs> I sh- I've had a little bit to drink. I'm sure it happens. Fair play. Been to Richard Dawson many a time. As many girls as he smooched. All right. So you, uh, Chad, you got one, two, three, four, five, six. Seven, eight. Ooh. Four questions in, eight questions right. So 
All right, Mikey. Let's see if you can beat Chad. Never. Starting now. What is the name of the prehistoric jungle land located in the continent of Antarctica? The the oh my god the 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 Macho Man. The, the, the oh yeah the Savage Land. <laughs> there you go. What superhero team did Sharon Carter join as Agent Thirteen? The Secret Avengers, the Young Avengers, or the Thunderbolts? Thunderbolts. Mm. Secret Avengers. <laughs> True or false? Cull, the god of fear. That starred in the Fear of Self story was Odin's father. False. That's correct. Hull was Odin's brother. True or false, She-Hulk helped her cousin Hulk in the Battle of Manhattan in World War Hulk. True? False. She fights the Hulk. <laughs> I don't know. True or false, the Inhumans' primary base of operations is the city of Atlantis. False. Atlant. That's correct. It's the okay. city of Atalant. In which mystical city does Iron Fist train and obtain his abilities? Kunlun. True or false, Peter Parker's parents, Richard and Mary Parker, met while both working for the CIA. False. True. Oh, man, I guess it depends. Does it depend? It depends. It's a definitive question. One way or the other, just answer it, I'm going to say true. I'm going to say true. That is true. They claim it is. Yeah. Okay, so we got five. So Mikey beat J.A. just by a smidge. I needed a hint on. I kept wanting to say the Lost World, but it's the Savage Land. Oh, well, wow. congratulations to Chad Smith, who is our first annual Marvel trivia champion for our Marvel Month here at the Last Comic Shop. And we'll be right back with more of the Last Comic Shop right after these messages. We're actually going to be reviewing our Marvel book for this week, Strange Academy. So stay tuned for that. Dragon Ball Z, One Piece, Naruto, all things that we love, all manga that were originally published in the legendary magazine Weekly Shonen Jump. But not every series can run for 300 chapters and have a hit anime. This is David. This is Jordan. We're the hosts of Shonen Flop. Each episode, we look at manga that ran and jumped that didn't quite make it. We discuss what it did wrong, what it did right, how the series could have turned itself around, and ultimately, was it a flop or not? Run all your favorite podcast apps, and you can find us at shonenflop.com. Keep on flopping, floppers. Have you ever been reading through a stack of comics and thought, maybe I should see what the Sarkham Asylum game is all about? Or been playing Marvel vs. Capcom and felt like you were at a real disadvantage since you didn't know who half the characters were? Well, Play Comics is the show for you. I'm Chris, and each episode we take a look at video games based on comic properties and how well they stick to that source material. So whether you know the comics and want to know how all these games work, or you know the games and want to find out where all this craziness came from, go check out Play Comics at playcomics.com or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it is now time to get to our Read Pile Review. And all this month we've been reviewing Marvel books, and uh, this week it's Chad's pick for a Marvel book. It is Strange Academy, which we have teased on previous shows like if you've listened to any of our episodes at all you've probably heard us talk about strange academy whether it was chad's recommendation on a previous show whether it was you know when we were talking about the suicide squad and teen titans academy and how this book was better in chad's opinion like we've been leading up to the fact that we were eventually going to uh do this book and i'm glad that finally we've done it j.a who was responsible for Strange Academy? All right, well, we've got a uh, strong team on Strange Academy, written by Scotty Young, with art by Umberto Ramos, and colors by Edgar Delgado. Uh, VCs Clayton Carroll does the lettering for most of the ep- issues. 
but it's really those top three, Young, Ramos, and Delgado. There you go. And we are covering the first six issues. So if you go out to your local comic book shop, you can pick up the first six issues in a trade or in single issues if you'd like, but it is available in a trade. So we make it very easy for you to go out, snag this, read it for yourself, and hopefully you enjoy it. Chad evidently did. That's why he picked it. Now, Chad, I know you're going to do the 10 cent synopsis for today's program, but real quickly, do you want to kind of tease up why you wanted to pick this book for your Marvel selection for the Marvel month? Oh, because it's good. (laughs) It's an old school book where it's one creative team and it's consistently that creative team. And in my opinion, uh, everybody's working on all cylinders. Like Scotty Young is doing his his best version of a Harry Potter type uh, story. You have Umberto Ramos who every page brings it as all. There's no details that are skimped over in this story. And just every single part of it, I think is fun. And it's one of those things where, Every decade, Marvel and DC will try to introduce a new crop of teenage characters as an in for an audience. And, you know, this is no different, you know, than the new Warriors and X-Force in the 90s. This is no different than the Young Avengers in the aughts. But uh, this is the 2020 version. And I think it's really well done. They picked great creators. I just, I, I think it's a really awesome book. Okay. Well, let's get to that 10 cent synopsis then. What happens in the first six issues of Strange Academy? Okay, I'm going to take a different route here and just introduce you to the characters in this book because there are a lot. They start out with the very first issue. You get Emily Bright, who, as far as I know, is a brand new character. And she's playing with her dog and it gets hit by a car. And Emily has known that she can do magic, you know, a la Elsa from Frozen for a long time. But when her dog gets hit by that car... She brings that dog back from the dead. Um, and that sets off a chain of events in motion that ends up uh, with her fighting a, an attacking tree and uh, being introduced to uh, Zelma from Strange Academy, who comes over and helps her with said tree and says, hey, we have a place where we're teaching young uh, witches, wizards, warlocks, sorcerers, young people how to deal uh, in the ways of magic. And so Emily is kind of like you're in. Uh, and from there, she meets Shaylee Moonpetal, who is a, a fairy who's floating around. And she tells a really sad story about how her dad isn't in the picture anymore. And her roommate's like, oh, that's terrible. I know lots of people's dads ran off. She's like, oh, he did it because he loved me. He didn't want my people to abandon me. And like, that's real sad. Aww. But anyway, you get uh, twin as guardians, Eric and Alvi. You know, sometimes they have a chip on their shoulder. You get Goose Dog, or Goose Log, I'm sorry, commonly known as Gus, who's a frost giant. Which, when you see those Asgardians and the frost giants in the same school, you could uh, imagine there's going to be some friction there. Uh, You get uh, Calvin Morse, who has some sort of weird magic jacket. Doyle Dormammu, son of Dormammu. Uh, Zoe LeBlow, who has a fancy necklace that keeps her powers in check that she doesn't reveal. Until uh, later on in the series, you have a demon named Desi, uh, a weird world uh, resident named Toth, and uh, a kid who can create uh, animal projections named German. And you have all these 10 characters. And it's a lot, but they're introduced. You start with Emily, but they introduce you to each of these characters through this school that's run by Dr. Voodoo. Uh, And it has teachers like Magic. 
and Damien Hellstrom and Doctor Strange pops in from time to time, although he's not a regular teacher there. Agatha Harkness teaches a class. The Scarlet Witch pops in from time to time. We have all these pieces of the Marvel Universe, including locations throughout the Marvel Universe, but they're all being used to strengthen these 10 kids that basically, as far as I know, we're all brand new in this series. Is that it? Uh, yeah, no, that was good. I, I, I liked it. I mean, honestly, one of my initial thoughts of the series is that's kind of what the first six issues are, is just getting to know the kids. Like, if I went into this thinking there was going to be a little more of a storyline or something, and actually... For me, I, I just thought that the action doesn't pick up until like issue four, five, six, like halfway through this collection of issues oh. we read. <laughs> There's these hollow, these hollow people. And, and it's actually like the first time you're like, wow. There's actually some drama here and an, and an antagonist and somebody for that. They're not just like walking around aimlessly talking about their, their teenage problems. That was the way I felt. But I, I, but it, it is kind of like a back to school thing. Like to put yourself in that mindset that you're dealing with younger characters and they're introducing them. And so you just kind of have to go with it. But I will say, you know, for the first couple issues, I was like, where is this going? Uh, Mikey, your thoughts on the first couple issues. It's an X-Men book, but they use magic instead of have mutant powers. It's like instead of Kitty showing up at the, the Xavier school, it's this girl showing. So it's got that same vibe. It reminded me a little bit of that Jason Aaron and Chris Bocciolo run of Doctor Strange, which is where the, the librarian character came from. And she's kind of running the school. So she's kind of cool. But the whole book sort of it just kept reminding me of better books like even though like i like umberto ramos I, re I read crimson when it came out and things like that i always dug his stuff but it looks like chris bocciolo for some reason it just it's got a chris bocciolo vibe now i haven't seen his work i don't know if this is just kind of the way he's been drawing lately but i probably would have enjoyed it more had i not read books that were better it reminded me of wolverine and the x-men that bachelor worked on a while ago it like I'm a big fan of books of magic for even though books of magic isn't really a magic school. Um, but I prefer that, but it's still pleasant book. The characters are fun. Um, I really dig Doyle Dormammu because it's so ridiculous to begin with. The fact that Dormammu has a kid in his head is a glowy head too. And all this other <laughs> stuff like that. Like, like I, I, w I don't know if this is a spoiler free show, but I, I enjoyed the character so much that I had to read the next few issues because as of issue six you're like okay what's going on with with doyle right so um but yeah yeah i mean i probably would have enjoyed it a whole lot more had i not read books that did it better but if i were say a 13 14 year old thing around that age i probably would have latched onto this like crazy <laughs> i will echo what mikey wood is saying it reminded me a lot of sort of initially reading new mutants the original New Mutants way back in the early 80s, it has that sort of, you know, your same setup. It's it's younger kids. It seems to me that, like, the target audience who would really love this book, if you're bringing people into the comic book tent, this is aimed at, like, 13, 14, 15-year-olds, younger kids, junior high, not even in high school yet. The problems that they're dealing with are the problems that junior high kids have. They're not dealing with sort of the stuff that you get in high school where it's much more, it's all dramatic. It's about, oh no, he loves me. He doesn't love me. This is more like, oh, he kind of likes me. <laughs> stuff like that. I also love Doyle. 
I mean, just the the character creation. A, a normal teenager, all the way up to his big glowing volleyball head. I want to know how did Dormammu send him to Doctor Strange School? There's got to be some parental uh, rift going on there. Well, I, I think it's doesn't Doctor Strange and Dormammu have like all these like secret packs and like treaties that they've written over the years? You know, you can only show up in my dimension every fourth Thursday of the month. Like <laughs> you have to bring out my trash. Like they have all this kind of stuff over over the years, so I'm sure it was like, yeah, you got to teach my kids strange. Yeah, yeah, I know. Maybe this is like a high father thing. Interesting. Strange's nephews in hell sweeping floors or something (laughs) in a dead dimension. Yeah, like a like a student exchange. I mean, he is the breakout character. I mean, it's hard for me not to say that, like, of all the characters that show up in this particular book, that's the character you latch on to, not only because of the the way that Umberto Ramos draws him. Like, I mean, you're just your eyes go to him every single time because he's got a big flaming head. Like, it's hard to miss him. Yeah. But at the same time, he's also the character that you're supposed to, you know, he's got the relationship with Emily Bright. He's becoming, like, the quote-unquote good boyfriend character, you know what I mean? Which, you know, so that's, like, the main love interest of our audience in. So you're supposed to be like, yeah, Even right? more than that, something I skipped over in our synopsis, when they go to the psychic, and the psychic lady, you know, gives him the reading that basically tells him he's the one, and he's going to kill a whole bunch of people and all that other stuff. Yes, uh, it's also every single classic bad boy thing, where it's like, oh, is Emily Bright going to be the girl that takes care of him and turns him around and makes him go the right path? Like, it's but he's, all but he's, teener stuff. It yeah, is. But he's, like, super nice from the beginning, though. So I think I think that might have been a little... Maybe it's cliche, but it might have been a little bit of a missed opportunity to have him because he is Dormammu's kid. People should have been afraid of him at first. He should have been a little bit more of an outcast and people because he's he's like he he could have been trying to always be the gu- the nice guy and do the right thing but always messes up because he's yeah, like, yeah. you know, Dormammu's son. I can't help it that my dad. It's like what's yeah. that movie where where the terrorists go after the private school because all the kids in the school are like but one of the kids is the kid of like a mob boss. Isn't that Toy Soldiers? Isn't that Toy Soldiers, Toy yes. Soldiers? Yeah, 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 yeah. I will say that the the mix of character types is really cool, but but it is it's also Harry Potter. It's Marvel Harry Potter. I mean that and, that's all it is. Even to the point of the classes that they take, they're Harry yeah. Potter classes. I'm like, yeah. There's a lot of tongue in cheek Harry Potter references. Yeah. One thing I had an issue with it was there are only too many characters. It's hard to keep track. Ten. Yes. Brand new characters is a lot. Like. I couldn't tell you the difference between Alvy and Eric and Toth and, and Calvin. I, it was like, oh, is the, is the coat, what does that do? And, and German, uh, who, I mean, I think that for a book like this, if you're going with like the, the general X-Men theme, like I think six is like a magic number. Like anything more than six characters, you're going to get somebody lost in the shuffle. And even here, I was feeling like some of those characters were just flavor. Like, the character with the animal thing, I was like, nah, just kind of a little bit flavor. The demon that speaks the truth or whatever, uh, just a little bit of flavor. Not really my core group that I'm going to be spending. Even the Asgardian with the glasses. Which one was that? Alvi. Yeah, he was only there to be like, oh, let me give some reasons for my brother to talk. Mm. Like, that was the only reason he was there, is to play off his brother. And I believe he's going to be... Sort of like the LGBTQ representation 
in, in the book, oh, probably, yeah. la- probably later on. They kind of hint at it, and that's a good thing to do. Like, like cool. It's like just a, like a one line of dialogue that maybe hints to that sort of thing, um, and that's good because representation is is and this this book is like certainly representation. Like, I mean, it's even mo- monster characters and things, and that that was pleasant. That was really neat to see. Just this, you'd think it would help you keep the characters separate in your minds but they they kind of still get jumbled up a little bit so they are tropes in a way like the big big huge character that's actually an absolute sweetheart but it's not tropes and in like an insulting way that made it that makes it garbage you know it's it's (laughs) no i i totally get you guys and i agree with everything every issue you guys have brought up I, i i totally get it however at the same time i feel like this is the type of book that marvel needs This is the type of book comic books in general as an industry should be pushing more. It's a YA, you know, all ages, but particularly aimed at teenagers, you know, and it has the representation. It has the humor. It has the try not to die. And they're almost killed every other issue. It, It has that sense of fun and whimsy and it is tropesy. And it is, you know, Harry Potter or Wolverine and the X-Men or the New Mutants. But that's not a bad thing. Each generation needs their own version of that. And I'm happy to find it. And I think uh, I I sat down one day and and read this book, you know, all the 11 issues that I had available. And I could not think of a better creative team in comics today that's better suited for the book that they're on. Like. And I, like with Umberto Ramos, I, I remember him primarily from uh, Spider-Man. He worked on Spider-Man for years. And he's a great Spider-Man artist. But after a while, I'm like, oh, I don't know if that fits. Like, I'm kind of tired of it, you know, that kind of thing. Here, I think this fits so well. Every issue, he brings that exuberant, youthful energy to the page. He does a ton of emoting in the characters' faces. You mentioned, Andy, that the first couple issues are all teenage drama. The first couple issues are all teenage drama, and that's that's fun. It's yeah. fun to see, you know. It's. I'm glad that you brought up the fact that like this book is aimed at a particular audience, and it's an important audience. As as we've often said on this show, we 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 want comic books to be in the hands of kids because they are the next generation. They're gonna what's gonna, gonna keep comic books growing and new ideas sprouting after we're all long gone. Yeah. I mean, if you don't have kids reading comic books, then you are in a dying industry. So you need books like this. And I am glad that they introduce new characters. They have like the characters like Doctor Strange kind of be tertiary characters in the background, not really spending a lot of time on them. I love some of the little wink, wink, nudge, nudge things. Like there's one of the issues ends with you're checking Scarlet Witch's email. And it has all the email messages that Scarlet Witch got from all these characters. So it's like a, it's a good nod for, yeah. for us older folks that do know some of these characters very well, but the, I, the mindful ones, beignets or beignets, no, they have the recipe they're, for. They're awesome. I love those guys. And well, you know, the other th- thing too, about the book that I've, I, I don't know if I mentioned, but it's, it's incredibly accessible. Like you don't have to know much about, because if they do introduce somebody in there, they kind of tell you who this person is, why like the frost giants and the asgardians but they don't do it in a manner that that feels like it's overly exposition or anything like that it's just kind of like oh yeah that's a that's a frost giant and that's big and that's why they need the human character in there to be the reader it's good and the other thing that it does too is it shows off all these different corners of the marvel universe yeah 
you know, it's very subtle about it. You, you think it's just a magic book, which that's the primary focus, but they're going through Weird World. They're going to Asgard. They're playing uh, door tag and going through all these different lands and all these different parts of the Marvel Universe. And if you get people hooked into this stuff, they're going to say, what's Weird World? I want to know what Weird World is. And then all of a sudden, they're picking up that book. You know, they're fi- seeking and, out that trade. Like, And there's a Spider-Man cameo because Marvel just can't not do it. Um, like, he's got Spider-Man and the Transformers, the Fantastic Four and Shogun Warrior. I mean, come like, but, It's not just it's Spider-Man. Fun. There's yeah. X-Men in here. There's yeah, Avengers yeah. in here. Yeah. The whole Marvel Universe gets a little, you know... Cameo magic magic has a nice little one page where the, the one of the students I think it's Eric is late for class and says yeah sorry I was late and she then just banishes him to limbo yeah like she's <laughs> awesome man like I read that and I read some of that the Empire crossover and the X Men issues of the Empire crossover she's in there I'm not all that versed with her but she's fantastic man like <laughs> speaking to the choir with ja that's that's like his awesome. bait and and yeah in the new mutants movie she's great in that too like like yeah. she, she's a cool character man instead of sending two characters to the principal's office she sends them to hell and yeah. <laughs> it's fabulous i was just gonna say uh for any of the marvel creative teams that are out there listening to our podcast magic and Elena Belova in a book together. We need it. (laughs) Well, we'll be right back with more of The Last Comic Shop right after these messages, getting to our ratings based on all of these tremendous initial thoughts. So stay tuned for that. I'm sure it'll be magic. (laughs) Oh, oh, it's magic. (laughs) That's cool. You know. (laughs) Who was that? ELO. Hi, everyone. I'm Nick Palatichuk. I'm an independent film director and screenwriter. I'm also an independent comic book artist and creator. I want to let you know about my podcast, The St. Paul Filmcast. It's a weekly podcast where I interview other independent filmmakers and other artists from the Twin Cities area. You can find the show on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, and Amazon Radio, as well as distributor Podbean. You can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So, if you're interested in how independent films get made or the process of filmmaking, also, if you're interested in other artists' process and works as well, tune into my show, The St. Paul Filmcast, where it's not over till the guests say it's over. back with more of the last comic shop and it is now time for our ratings where we say hocus pocus and here comes a one out of four scale that's conjured up by our great co-host j.a scott so j.a what have you got in your cauldron this week one out of four spells See, that was even forecasting potentiality of some magic playing a part of our four, one out of four. And we're going to go ahead and start off with you, sir, as uh, the person that gives us the scale should also be the first person to give us how many spells they're giving Strange Academy this week. So I had a hard time. Uh, with this because starting out the first couple of issues I would have said it was a two but then it grew on me and as I got into the book more 
I found myself wanting to know what happened next, and I kept reading. So I think, you know, the spell grew. It, it, it manifested itself, and, and power descended. And so I'm going to give it a, a solid three sp- spells. I had some issues with the art. I thought at times it was a bit too Disney. Eyes are too big. It, it comes off as sort of cartoony at times like the the noses the eyes the eyes are huge it's very much it looks like you know they could be in a disney movie yeah it definitely has one foot in that manga zone and too many characters i believe we said that before but it's you know it's a great book that you don't need to know a lot of back history with to understand and enjoy and that's nice in this day and age especially with marvel with how many times have they had to reintroduce or restart or reboot or redo the Avengers or the Fantastic Four or Spider-Man and it's got to have all the backstory, you have to know all this. You don't have to know any of it to get into this book and enjoy it. I also like that they put it in New Orleans and they just walk around and nobody looks at them weird because it's New Orleans and everybody's weird in New Orleans. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to allude to this in my recommendation it reminded me a lot of sort of reading some of the early valiant books uh, kind of a mix between harbinger and shadow man because shadow man set in new orleans and you have all the occult and the magic stuff and then harbinger with the sort of coming of age storylines and the you know bunch of teenagers thrown together trying to work things out in a world of adults but not getting a lot of adult supervision and that's the other thing they're all these school students and you're like where are the teachers where they're all getting up into and what I, I love where they they go off campus and they think they're all badass and then they find out that maybe their magic isn't so good after all because they were in this environment this closed environment in school and when they're out in real nature suddenly oh we're still kids again and i love that because that's so true in life when you're in school, you think you're the baddest person in the world, and then you get out of school, and you realize, oh, wow, you know, I'm still just a kid. Yeah. And so there's a lot of good storylines in that, and I think it's a very important book. And so that's why I'm giving it three out of four. I just got to ding it a bit because I wasn't a super fan of the art. I thought it was a little bit too man- man- manga-esque, and it was hard to keep track of all the different characters. I thought there were maybe two, two or three too many. Okay. Mikey, what is your number of spells this week? Uh, I, I think I'm going to give it like a strong three. Like I said earlier, I, I kind of I would have liked it a whole lot more if I wasn't familiar with better takes on it. You know what I mean? And, and I'm also sort of more partial to, and this is a Marvel thing for me, and, and I know you guys will crucify me for this, but but uh, Marvel doesn't handle their magic any different than it handles its other superpowers. You know what I mean? Mm. There's not a, there's not, but I did get a little, they, they talked about sort of the cost of using magic and that's all interesting too. So it did make me want to keep reading it. So that's kind of cool. Like I do want to keep going. And I did, I, I went a little further than our six issues. Yeah. So it's a, it's a good three. All right, Chad, it's your book. How many spells you, is it casting on you this week? Oh, for me, this is a total four, four spell book. Um, and so, I, once again, I go back to a lot of the things you guys have said are very valid. <clears throat> are there too many characters in this? Sure, but you need those characters for subplots. I get the impression that Scotty Young and Umberto Ramos and Edgar Delgado are in for the long haul on this one. And I appreciate that. I genuinely do, because there's so many books these days where you have rotating creative teams or a different artist every other book, and they can't keep that consistency. 
And this book, it starts off, uh, a lot of folks think it started off a little bit slow, but I thought it did the work to get you to care about these characters. They hook you in with Emily Bright with that dog story, and then you're introduced to the roommates, and oh, you know a little bit about Emily, so now you care about her roommate, and oh, you know, care about this guy who has a crush on Emily. And so it all works out from there, and then it builds on those interpersonal character relationships and before you know it, they're doing those team building activities where they're going out in the streets of New Orleans. They're going through the woods. They're getting in over their heads. Uh, and I love that. I love this stuff. I love the coming of age stories. And Mikey and I were talking about how it reminded him so much of the Chris Bocciolo, a Doctor Strange, which I can definitely see that. But I, I think with Umberto Ramos, he is a little bit cleaner and a little bit easier to follow than Umberto Ramos. Going back to Jay's critique, how it's a little bit manga influenced, or you know, it has that energy there. But that's what the kids are into, and so I think this is ideally served for its target audience. I, I hope these characters are allowed to progress beyond this book. Like all too often, uh, you know, characters like they're the team characters, and then like one or two might graduate, and then the rest get kind of pushed off to the side. I'm thinking of like you know, Young Avengers. You had Kate Bishop. <laughs> who made it into Hawkeye, and the rest were just kind of, you know, new warriors. You had Firestar and uh, Vance Astrovic make it to the Avengers, but everybody else was kind of pushed off to the side. I'm hoping these characters are able to develop over the course of a long run, turn into something special, because I think Scott Young is putting the groundwork in. And as I mentioned earlier, Umberto Ramos... There's so many different crazy over the top magic scenes in different locations. And he does not skimp on any of these pages. There's so much detail. There's so many little notes in there that you can go back and just look at that page over and over again and find new things. Uh, I think it's a great book. And I think it does hit all those coming of age tropes. And the difference between me and a lot of other folks is I'm a sucker for that stuff. I love it. I will say this. I can't believe that you didn't say Night Thrasher wasn't a breakout character out of the New Warriors. Because he totally was, with his skateboard and his fighting sticks. I love yeah, Night Thrasher. Yeah, but where did he go? I'm not saying... I love Night Thrasher. I love Speedball. But what happened to those guys? Nothing. Well, that's that's a failure of creators that nothing happened with them, sir. <laughs> I, you know, when it comes to my grade, I think we're going to go back to a, a saying that we oftentimes say on the last comic shop in that this comic wasn't for me. This isn't for me. And I think that's uh, that's being blatantly honest. I'm a 42-year-old man. It's not for me. It is for a 14, 15, 16-year-old person, which is extremely important for comics. I'm not going to undersell that. I am the host of The Last Comic Shop, and I get on here every single week saying, get comic books in the hands of kids. That's what I say. So I'm never going to say this is a bad book or that people, especially kids, shouldn't be reading this book because it is for them. It is not for me. I found the first four issues of this book extremely boring. That's me. It was boring. Until the hollows showed up and they actually went on that door tag, I was like, where is this going? I don't care. I don't care about that's these a school. Problems. They're going to school. Exactly. Yeah, but I'm not a teacher. I'm not a professor. I'm not some sort of I, I, I went through school. I'm I'm past that. It's the same reason why I'm I don't connect with Spider-Man anymore. I'm not in my twenties. 
And so Peter Parker remaining in his 20s. That's why I, I connect more with Reed Richards, actually, because he's got a beard and he's a grown ass man. And so I can understand that stuff. Actually, my favorite parts of this entire series were actually not because they were characters I knew, but I genuinely liked Voodoo and Doctor Strange talking about their fundamental differences on how they should raise these kids. For me, I was like, I'm a dad. I can get having conversations with other adults about how to raise kids. So I get that conversation. That has meaning and relevance for me. The rest of this stuff... It's for somebody else. And I'm not saying that's bad. I'm saying that's very important. In terms of the art, I would have loved to see Scotty Young actually write and draw this because it could have been like the wonderful Wizard of Oz series that he did, which is phenomenal if you've never checked that out. So I'm going to give this 2.5. Give this a 2.5 for me. For a kid that was like 14, this is like a 4 out of 4, but I'm not that kid. So yeah. Two out of five for a, for a 42-year-old bearded dude that's way past his prime. <laughs> but one thing that's not past our prime is recommendations. <laughs> recommendations are never past our prime on our show. Go to comic book shops, pick up these other comic books that you can find and read in your spare time. And we try to give you something similar to read, something that's pretty recent. And something maybe out of left field, and because we've got Mikey Wood, he'll bring a little bit of something with a cherry on top of it. There you go. So, why don't we start with dessert first? Mikey, what are you going to give us this? Um, I am going to recommend the four-issue miniseries, The Books of Magic, the uh, the original four-issue miniseries from 1990 uh, and 91, written by mm-hmm. uh, Neil Gaiman. Um, with a different artist every issue. First issue is John Bolton. Second issue is Scott Hampton. Third issue is Charles Vess. And the fourth issue is Paul Johnson. So they're phenomenal painted books. And it's about a young, bespectacled lad who is dragged into the world of magic and given a pet owl. And it all happened uh, about six years before Harry Potter. So um, there's been this debate as, as to whether or not Harry Potter is sort of like a ripoff of Books of Magic. Neil Gaiman says he doesn't care either way. Um, it's a big world and, and everybody, you know, there's more than one kid with glasses in the world. So, But um, it's a fantastic series. The main character is uh, Timothy Hunter, and he's taken on a journey through the history of magic in the DC universe. The first issue features the Phantom Stranger as his guide. Second issue features John Constantine as his guide. Um, Dr. Occult takes him on a tour of the mystical worlds like Fairy and Gem World in the third issue. And then Mr. E, who was sort of like a um, Crypt Keeper type character in, in a 1970s book called Haunted House that DC put out, uh, takes him on the on the tour of the possible magical future in the fourth book. And it's just phenomenal. And it led to a series of 75 issues and then a, a bunch of miniseries after that and then a series that just recently ran. I mean, it's just beautiful. Very cool. Yeah. All right, Chad, what do we got here for our current pick this week? Okay, so I'm going to uh, do some trickeration here. I'm going to recommend Teen Titans Academy. What? <laughs> I know, which is like the DC version of this story. But I think one of the reasons why I think, especially if you're reading strange Academy, why you might like it, it's neat to see the contrast because with Titans Academy, I got off to a much bumpier start. They had uh, a lot of Titans continuity mixed into that series. 
early on they had a bunch of characters and they didn't have necessarily have a reason to care about those characters uh they keep going back and forth between artists in the book which are all things like that are downgrades for me but the problem is by the time i got to issue five issues four and five were were drawn by steve lieber and i like that artist you know issues four and five were about the bat pack which are these three kids that are running around you know trying to be amateur detectives and trying to figure out the the identity of red x uh, but those are really good issues really fun issues um and also i really want this red x to be a thing because it turns out i bought his first appearance out of the dollar bin a few years ago for my kid and then i saw on ebay it's worth you know a hundred dollars plus now and i'm like ooh, <laughs> let's make red x a thing happen but no <laughs> the book itself I, I think it does a lot of the same things that strange academy does uh and i think it got off to a bumpy start but once it was you know five six issues in i still think there are elements of it where they're trying to fast forward things too much like i think it was either the end of issue five or issue six they're like okay the first semester's over yay let's have a party and it's like wait a minute you're you just started the story like is story-wise it's like two weeks into the school year they're already ending the first semester but no i think it's fun to contrast and i do think there's a lot of potential in in that book there are a lot of fun characters there's gorilla greg uh, and everybody knows, next to skeletons, gorillas are the best possible comic book characters. But uh, Tim Sheridan has been the writer throughout. And then uh, Rafi Sandoval has been doing art. And like I said, recently it's been Steve Lieber. Camp Stewart, I think, uh, was chipping in there. It is a fun book, and it is similar to Strange Academy, but different enough that I think uh, there's room to appreciate both. Uh, and I hope they both get good long runs. Very cool. All right, I'm going to go up next with our similar book for this week. And uh, because it's a comic book with Strange Academy, and of course that's bringing up Doctor Strange, I'm going to get on here and get on my soapbox and saying, all of those last comic shop fans out there, you owe it to yourself to go back and Mm. read the original Doctor Strange run by Stanley and Steve Ditko. Because as I said... I was even one of those people that came to this particular comic book kind of late. Like, it's not something that I read when I was a teenager. It wasn't even something I read in college. It was well after post-college that I finally got around to reading the Stan Lee, uh, Steve Ditko, Doctor Strange. Because I kind of felt like Doctor Strange was always kind of a weird character when I was growing up. If you were a kid growing up in the 90s, Doctor Strange was always like one of those dad characters. You were like, oh, he's got a mustache and like gray hair around his temples. Like, I can't, you know, I don't know what to do with Doctor Strange. He's just that one guy that hangs out with the Silver Surfer and makes sure that nothing bad happens in my universe. Again, like a dad. But then you grow up a little bit. And so I went back and I read the original Doctor Strange. And I will say this, that like Jack Kirby's run on the Mighty Thor and Arnold Drake's run on um, Doom Patrol, these are books that the older I get from the Silver Age, I appreciate more. It's almost like I've graduated from the Amazing Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four and the Avengers from the Silver Age. And now I'm to the next level in my Silver Age reading. These are the books that I want to read now. And it's got everything. If you, you can pick it up in a fantastic trade, you only have to get one. It's a Marvel Masterworks, uh, Doctor Strange Volume 1. It's got pretty much everything you need. Because not only does it introduce Doctor Strange and his origin, but it gives you all the major characters. It gives you Baron Mordo. 
It gives you the uh, a- Ancient One. It gives you uh, Dormammu. It gives you um, Nightmare. It even gives you Eternity. So it's even got that wonderful issue with the Steve Ditko art where Doctor Strange first meets Eternity. And it's like a tremendous, tremendous panel. Like, it's one of the classics, like, of all time from the Silver Age. You should have an opportunity to read that. Plus, it's got great titles. Like, you got that bombast of Steve, Stan Lee writing all that dialogue there. So you got the, the pincers of power and by the hoary hosts of Hogarth and, and all this stuff that started there, right? Like, it started with Stan Lee in that dialogue. And to combine that with all that crazy visualization, especially when he goes into the dark dimension, and they tried to do it justice in the Doctor Strange movie, but it's nowhere near as good as it is in the Steve Ditko stuff. So go back and read it. Even if you have read it before, read it again, because I've read it like six times now. It's tremendous. Some of the best Silver Age stuff out there. I remember Dormammu TV. It's the best channel on TV right now. Dormammu's like got the, the late night you, show. I'd watch that. You can't beat the pincers of power unless you know judo. <laughs> judo beats everything in the system. <laughs> Stanley yes. was obsessed with judo. It was like the only martial art he knew. He's like, judo, right? That works. And I, and I don't think he knew exactly what judo was. <laughs> he just thought judo was like judo chop because there is no judo chop. You don't chop in judo. It's all throws. All right, so I'm coming a bit out of left field, and I alluded to this in my rating. So I'm going to recommend the collection of the original Valiant Harbinger, Children of the Eighth Day. It was originally a four-issue run. It was the first four issues collected into a trade, and then uh, when Valiant went through its various reformations and whatnot they've put it out in a hardcover which collects one through seven plus harbinger zero because if their valiant was always putting out these zero issues which was like the origin issue of, of whatever the comic you were reading so this is talking about teenagers though i think they're a little bit older because they all run away and they're driving so the, i would say it's little you know it's skewing towards the end of the ya audience you're 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 emancipated if you will and you're able to go out into the world and be your own. Uh, so they run away, and they're learning to deal with their powers, and there's the Toyo Harada Harbinger Foundation is coming after them. That's where the name comes from, and it's this corporation that's trying to take all these young people and their powers and harness them to do evil corporate things and take over the world, and they're trying to save the world and make it a better place for everyone it deals with all those complex issues that teenagers especially older teenagers have to deal with so you know learning to be your own self and and what is your path in life and how do you deal with love and betrayal and the collection is free on comiXology if you have a comiXology unlimited account so i suggest you have a look at it, throw on some Nirvana or other 1990s grunge music, and, and get in touch with your inner angst. There you go. And hopefully you don't have angst when you listen to our show every single week. And how you can make sure that you do so is by rate reviewing and subscribing at www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com, our terrific website where you can find all of the links to where you can do that such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, 
iHeartRadio, TuneIn, uh, Amazon Podcasts, Pandora, and a variety of other places. And if you're out there listening to us every single week, please leave us that five-star review. Tell us how, how much you enjoy hearing about us talk about comic books every single week. We don't get paid to do what we're doing. We get paid by your appreciation. So give us a paycheck once in a while. Tell us how uh, how much you enjoy our show. We will make sure that you get a shout out on our social media. Uh, you want to find us on Twitter and Instagram at Last Comic Shop or Facebook at the Last Comic Shop Podcast. You can find us there. Or always, you can head to our website, www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com where you can find all of that and what else ja well you've got links to our merch store this week we've got a special last comic shop school uniforms (laughs) (laughs) so just for you andy it's it's the the uh postman button down short sleeve with the tie oh okay shorts you're so it looks like a member of ACDC, right? Yes, yeah, the, the full <laughs> Angus. Uh, all right. Because I was going to say, I tried to put on the, the parochial skirt, and it just it just didn't do anything for my legs. And while we may be the last comic shop podcast, chances are very good. We are not the last comic shop near you. You can find comic shops near you by using Comic Shop Locator, www.comicshoplocator.com. Where you might want to go and seek out copies of Strange Academy, either in issues or in trade. Or maybe you want to look up uh, the Books of Magic and see some uh, Harry Potter-esque stories before there even was a Harry Potter. Maybe you want to go with the Harbinger, the old school Valiant days. Or go even further back to Doctor Strange and that wonderful Steve Ditko run and experience your own pinchers of power. Uh, but all that and more is waiting for you at your local comic shop. And some other awesome comics that I don't know if you can get at a comic book shop, but you can definitely get online is the tremendous work of Mikey Wood, who we've often had on our program. Mikey, where can they find your awesome comic books? The two that I actually finished, <laughs> they're uh, they're available through Amazon. So if you just look up uh, uh, Hate Your Friends, Mikey Wood, you'll find it on Amazon or um, Pack of Lies by Mikey Wood. You'll find those there. I have some uh, web strips available on graphite.com and yeah i'm i'm, I'm kind of gearing up to start start over again now that life has balanced out after the pandemic and moving and all that stuff i have time to draw so and it's always a pleasure i should say to be on your show i love it you don't have to pay me this, this is <laughs> in well that is awesome news sir because <laughs> I, I i don't have my checkbook handy but what i do have is more can, episodes coming up yeah. in future make sure that you tune into the last comic shop all the rest of the month of september we're definitely going to take you to school with some more awesome marvel books and until then i was the host with the most andy larson i was joined by my regular co-host chad smith jay scott and our wonderful guest mikey wood and until next week stay safe stay sheltered and remember that hot teacher that you had in high school yeah that's pretty much magic now she'll send you to hell in more ways than one more ELO I love it I love it go to class get some class that's right The Last Comic Shop was 
2021 Black Angus Production <laughs>